Nation. Ladies and gentlemen of Lafayette. The Hammered Down Show with Jared Jesolitis is Lafayette's number one sports show. Yes, I'm excited! He totally went to Jared. The voice of Lafayette Sports. The cream of the crop! Nobody does it better. Send us your thoughts on the text line at 765-447-4080. Now go to that voodoo that you do so Welcome into the Hammer Show, 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. I am your host, Jared Jesselides. Thanks for spending an hour with me here while we kick back and talk some local sports. Uh, all right, it's a, it's a Tuesday. You're out there dealing with this overcast, the Canadian wildfire smoke again. I thought we were done with this, uh, but apparently not. You're going to, yeah, well, let's just take your mind off things here. Let's spend the hour. Let's talk some local sports coming up here. Um, I crunched some numbers this afternoon. This Ryan Walters class continues just to be good. So I, I went and I crunched some numbers here uh, with Walters' class and then comparing that to what Jeff Braum did, not only his first year, but his best classes. Where does this one for 2024 and Walters stack up? Um, I, I got some data here. You know how I feel about rankings, though. But I got the numbers here. If you want to go by it, hey, it's it's not a terrible metric to use. Plus, it's the end of June and we need something here. So we'll talk about that. Right now, let's start with our need-to-know news. Here's your need-to-know news. All right, let's get started here. Mama, there goes those men again. Luis Robert Jr., Shohei Otani both go yard last night. Only problem with Shohei's was the walk-off. Two to one the finals. The White Sox lose the Angels. Luis, two for four with a homer as well. Uh, he's uh, three straight games now. Five is last six. They won't even let him in drought-stricken areas for fear that he might start his own wildfire. That's how on fire this guy is. Dylan sees, hey, good night of pitching. Six innings, five hits, one run, ten strikeouts. Both teams would strike out 12 times. It looks like we have another pretty solid pitching matchup here tonight. It'll be Kopech taking on Otani. And I know when you look at that, right out the gate, you're like, oh boy. But really, look at the last several, look at this month's worth of games. And I'll tell you what, you almost feel like the wrong team is favored in this one. It's been a month since Kopech's come out with a W, yes. Sox have lost for his last five, yes. But it hasn't really been on him. He's only given up six runs and four starts this month. Over 20 innings of work. Meanwhile, Tani, by comparison, four starts, 24 innings, 10 runs allowed, including four homers. Kopech has kept those down. He's had half as many. Tani is coming off a 12K performance against the Dodgers, though. Sox plus 170 tonight. If you would like to stay on the Luis Robert home run train, good luck tonight. Plus 500 for him to homer tonight in L.A. Meanwhile, up in Wrigley, Ranger Suarez versus Jamison Tyagon. Cubs rocked Ranger in their first meeting. Four runs in two innings. Chased him quick. 
They ran up the score in that one, too. And then game two, Phillies returned the favor. Jamison got rocked. Six innings. I uh, got six, I'm sorry, six earned in two and a third in his game against Philly. Comes a slight dog tonight, a plus 110. Light wind coming in at Wrigley. First pitch at 8.05. Aviators are going to come up short against the Pistol Shrimp, 14 to 9 last night. The Valley with 17 hits, only five strikeouts, and just one homer scoring 14 runs. That drops Lafayette to 13 to 9. That's two and a half behind uh, the lead in the uh, conference. Flyboys in Champion City tonight. Uh, they'll play the Kings tonight and tomorrow. They'll stay on the road the rest of the week until Saturday when they come home to host the normal Corn Belters. And Bears President Kevin Warren spoke at a community meeting on Monday. He called upon three local school districts to participate in negotiations aimed at working out an agreement as to the property tax bill. And he's insistent that the Bears just want certainty and fairness. Quote, we do not, we do need a new home for the Chicago Bears. We have to figure out if Arlington Heights is legitimately a viable option or if it's not. This has nothing to do with personal feelings. This is strictly business. And I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page and figure out if this is something that will work. Reassessment of the property the team had purchased pushed the property tax bill from 2.8 to 16.2 million dollars. Bears are currently trying to negotiate that to a more acceptable price. The Bears have also uh, offered up uh, over four million dollars to local schools. They want nearly eight million dollars. You feel like you're negotiating with the wrong entity here, aren't we? If the schools want twice of what you're putting out, and Cook County wants to go from Two to sixteen million. I feel like uh, you're not really making it up with the schools. I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. Let Kevin Warren handle his business. I guess there you go. That is today's need to know news. Although this is kind of breaking here and uh, very sad. And details are still coming in. Uh, uh, this is what I'm getting from TMZ. Jimmy Johnson's in-laws apparently dead in a murder-suicide. So he will not be at the Chicago race this weekend. It sounds like Jimmy Johnson's wife's parents and 11-year-old nephew uh, were shot in their home. TMZ reports that uh, his wife Chandra's parents, Jack... And Terry and nephew Dalton were found dead at about 9 p.m. last night after receiving a 911 call from a woman who reported someone with a gun before hanging up the phone. Cops say that Terry is considered the suspect right now, but there is no known motive. Uh, It's not clear if she is the one that made the call either. Cops say they found one body lying in the hallway after arriving at the scene, heard another gunshot from inside the home. Uh, They would find two more. Again, all three died uh, from gunshot wounds. Uh, Absolutely terrible, terrible tragedy uh, for Jimmy Johnson and his family. Uh, That is uh, yikes. Just absolutely terrible story. There you go. That is today's need to know news. I don't know how you ever shift from these bad stories 
into something else that we talk about here, but um, and there's no right way to do it. Just tough. We want to look at the uh, diamond here tonight. Some good calls last night on who's hot. Let's see who's hot here tonight. Jose Ramirez remains hot. Uh, the Cleveland Guardian. They're in Kansas City. He's going to face Brady Singer tonight. 438 and 20 plate appearances against Singer. And that includes two homers in 20 plate appearances. Uh, RBI in seven of his last 10 games. One plus hit in 10 of his last 12. He also has a run scored in six of his last seven. Nine of his last 12. He's going to need over two and a half. I mean, you see that in its hits, runs, and RBIs. But if you were thinking about that, it's uh, over two and a half. I never like that. It is at even money. Same thing with the hits line. It's over. It's it's over one and a half. I don't like it when they bump that up. I don't think that's good for you in any way, shape, or form. Now, if you do want to go the hits runs RBI at even money, that's probably a slightly better option than the hits. I think that line has hit seven of his last ten. Uh, if you like him for an RBI tonight. That's at plus 100. So you can go with the RBI or you can go over two and a half hits, runs, and RBIs, and you're basically about the same here. I'd stay away from the homers. He's only got two in his last 12 games. But, you know, he's on that good run scored thing, but that's at minus 140. Books are all over him. Manny Machado is also hot. Hitting 444 lifetime versus Rich Hill with two homers and 10 plate appearances. Uh, he is hitting lefties this year, 368. Hits an 11 of his last 13. Total bases over one and a half tonight is at minus 110. You'll need over two and a half hits, runs, and RBIs. That's a plus 115. RBIs at even money. Now, Manny with wind blowing out to left should help him. Rich Hill is not very good. He's not epically bad, but you will get a nice wind blowing out to left field tonight for Manny. Those are the guys that are hot tonight. And I would be remiss if we did not bring up the Dodgers. Heading out to Colorado. And we all know just how well that weather fares uh, and that altitude fares in Colorado. And you bring in a team that loves to hit dingers in the Dodgers. You've got a crossing wind at about 12 miles an hour. We're blowing uh, maybe more out to uh, right field. It, it may be coming straight across left to right but maybe also blowing out in some instances to right field. Dodgers' second most homers in Major League Baseball. They set themselves 17 behind Atlanta for the lead. What a gap. But it seemed like you got some decent weather out there. It's Colorado. They like to hit homers out there. 
So maybe pick somebody. I, uh, Freddie, I guess. Will Smith. I mean, who else can you who who else do you pick there? Have they been out to Colorado yet this year? I don't think they've been out to Colorado this year. Now, why had a feeling they were out there? They played Colorado for two at home early in the season. Maybe it was I got all hype when they were out at Cincinnati. I was like, yeah, that's great. You got to take them on that. But yeah, no, they're out in Colorado for three tonight. Connor Seabold is, as the kids say, pretty mid. He's actually better at home than he is on the road, which I don't know if that's a a great thing. He just came off a a game where he gave up four homers at Atlanta, and they got whooped 10-2. to Made three innings, nine earned, four homers on nine hits. Not good, Bob. So there you go. That's who's hot tonight. Please bet responsibly. We're going to take a break. We can come back. Coach Walters, this class, it is something. But where does it stack up against the old regime? How does it compare to Jeff Brom's first class? We'll take a look at that and more. I got the numbers here. Spent some time crunching it. We'll uh, talk about it. That's next. That's the Hammer Down Show. Welcome back to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Jesselitis. You can always reach out on the Hammerhead text line at 765-447-4080. Always love uh, hearing from you guys. So, yeah, it's, it's all the buzz these days, right? Coach Walters recruits. It's going well. Another one to watch out for this week. And on three has already changed their crystal ball prediction to it's going to be Purdue. Coy Beasley makes his announcement tomorrow. Corner out of Cincinnati. Four-star guy. A consensus four-star guy across 24-7 ESPN rivals and on three. If he does decide to commit would then become Jeff Brom's highest-rated, or not Jeff's, I'm sorry, uh, Coach Walter's highest-rated recruit in his very short tenure, at least from the high school ranks. Hudson remains the, the, the highest in his era if you want to include transfers. So I got to thinking about this a little bit, and I said, okay, Let's take a look at the trajectories here. Let's see. So much hype on this class. But Jeff Brom also did a fairly good job at recruiting as well. Where do these guys stack up? Now, a couple variables that we have to discuss before we get into this. One, I come to these numbers here, thanks to on three, who averages out that class score. But you also have to consider that on three is still relatively new, so we have to go back to using 247 ESPN and rivals on a lot of these classes. And you also got to remember that ESPN tends to, we've complained about them before in basketball and other things. 
that's why you're taking the three of these things to hopefully ration it out. Currently, Walter's class ranks 27th in the country. 7th in the Big Ten. With a class score of 87.71. His top five recruit average as of right now, 89.68. Which is pretty darn good when you put things in perspective. You go back to 2017, and yes, I'm not going to worry about the Hazel era. Um, You go back to 2017, that's Jeff Brom's first class. And it's really headlined by TJ Jallo. Remember? Remember old Jallo coming in as a transfer? I mean, that was the big guy. ESPN had him ranked ridiculously high at one point. Like 24th. Nick Sight, the quarterback. Diedrich Mackey. Isaac Zico. Tyler Hamilton. That was the, the, that's the top five in the class right there. Any other notables? Terry Wright was in there. Giovanni Rivera's in there. Cordell Jones was pretty serviceable linebacker for some years. Kenneth Major, Derek Barnes. Boy, Derek Barnes got slept on. Two stars and wasn't even ranked by ESPN. You'd love to see the glow up. But that class does not come close to Walter's first class. 65th nationally, again, compared to Walter's, who's sitting, uh, you know, we're up there in the 30s, right? Um, That class average, 89 for Walter's versus 82 for Jeff Brom. So the top five's not even close. But, you know, maybe that's not fair. Look, it's the first year. One of my friends pointed out here, too, Jeff Brom had to dig us out of a nuclear bunker to get it going. So maybe a more fair class is 2018 to judge this by, if you're looking at pace. And 2018 was, uh, you know, rather it highlighted by Rondell Moore. That was the big flip, right? Remember the, uh, the All-American game? Ahmaud Anderson... Jack Plummer in there as well. They went up 10 spots from the previous year. It was up to 55th, so still lacking behind this class. 12th in the Big Ten, still lacking behind this class. And the average score of 84.35 versus the uh, 87 that we're at now would still lag behind. Rondell would be a higher-ranked recruit, though, than anybody in 2024. Unless Coy Beasley does sign like they think, then he would have been second in that class. But that's, if we're thinking about it, this is kind of where it's stacked up at. Maybe that's fair. I think it is completely fair to say that Coach Walters and this staff is outpacing what the previous staff did off to a much better start. Now, in a better starting place, 
set up a little bit better to succeed. So you got to ask, is, is that where they where they had to start at versus where Jeff Brom had to start at, what Jeff Brom had to work with versus what Ryan Walters had to work with, uh, how much of a handicap can you put on the numbers versus that? If they close on the Beasley kid, I have to give the edge to Coach Walters. You just have to. Keep in mind, I have not factored in the transfer class at all. But then again, the portal is not the portal like it, in 2017 like it is now. So you got all these little things that you really have to take into consideration on how you view these classes versus what we have now. 2019 remains the undisputed best class maybe in Purdue history. It has its highest rate of recruit in George Karloftis, David Bell, Milton Wright, Marvin Grant. You had another highly rated uh, defensive lineman, Stephen Fauché. Mershon Rice was in there. King Doru. TJ Sheffield. Jalen Graham. Cam Allen. Garrett Miller, Cam Craig, Spencer Holstage. From top to bottom, that is that that's the crown jewel class in the Brahm era. And that hit 30th in the nation, 6th in the Big 10, and a class score of 87.19 which is basically right there with what Coach Walters has put together this season. And if I go through those names and I tell you, hey, ratings-wise, we're right there, I, you're smiling, aren't you? I, do you hear the names I just rattled off? That's a hell of a class. But the, the top five in there, that takes the top five of what we got right now. And you have how many of those guys are in the NFL? It's pretty good. Problem was, he turned around in 2020, and you want to talk about a beatable class. He was headlined by Malik Carr. And you slid back, both in national rankings, Big Ten rankings, your overall rankings. Malik Carr, Tyreek Murphy, Abdurrahman Yassin, Michael Lamo, Gus Hartwig, Colin Sullivan, Greg Hudgens. Oh gosh, Marcellus Moore. It trended, you know, it trended down. The thing that I hate about that class is, is, you know, your top two guys didn't hang around long, did they? You get you to 2021. 
And this is where you really took a step back. You dropped the 13th of the Big Ten. The rating was down. The national ranking was down to 63rd. Local people, we all love Yanni. But in the Jeff Brom era, he just, it, there was not a spot. I don't know what, what the issue ends up being. No spot on the field for him. Javon Grigsby at safety. Preston Terrell at wide receiver. Deion Burks at wide receiver. And Drew uh, Bieber at tight end. Mm. It did have Marcus and Bo, though. Had Jack Ansel. But that's about it. It, it, it was not... I mean, that year drops back, that lags behind. You get to 2022, national rank 44. You go back up again, big rank 11, still trailing uh, what uh, Coach Walters has put together here. Although an impressive top five that included Brady Allen, Joe Strickland, Nick Carraway, who give that staff credit. You know how much I love Nick Carraway. He was not as beloved by the rating services early on as where he started to finish at. Curtis DeVille, Kentrell Marks, the top five. But that's a hell of a top three right there. You know, Brady Allen, best of luck. Joe Strickland still here. Nick Carraway about to be big contributors, I think, in this class. And, and too early to, to talk about some of these other guys, too. Mo Monaday in there as well. Probably a little bit too early. And then that brings you up to 2023, the last class, who I don't know how much you can put um, on Jeff Braun for that class. That's the transition. But what I can do here is kind of include what Walters and company did in the transfer window here. Now remember, come in December here, and you've got other coaches that are leaving, still on staff here, while he's trying to set things up and then work this portal throughout the bowl season. And he goes out there and gets the second highest recruit, top offensive recruit we've ever had here at Purdue in Hudson Card. He's got four guys with uh, four-star ratings. Five guys with four-star ratings there, right? This is a transfer window. If you took the transfer window just on what he pulled in, Walters crushes this thing. He'd have a top five average that would be better than every class except for 2019, just off the transfers. Now, if... He does get Cole Beasley, or Coy Beasley, and he commits tomorrow to Purdue. That would put Walters' top five recruits. That average would then become the best average. That would be better than even 2019 with George, 
with David Bell, Milton Wright, Marvin Grant, Mershon Rice, T.J. Sheffield, it would push that class past that. And he probably isn't even done yet. Mighty impressive. I would say Walters, had, to be fair, has a much better starting point. In terms of what's going on with the facilities and his ability to make some noise in the transfer portal. Let's not forget, good, uh, great players want to play with other great players. And if you've already got some great players and a need at that position for, for you, a great player, yeah, that's going to attract more folks. And the fact that you can do this so much easier now in the transfer portal as opposed to 2017, it does give this coaching staff a a little bit of an advantage, does it not? That's 100% fair. It's also not being left with bare bones, with a reputation that is laughable at times. It's not there. They're, They're coming off a season where they went to the Big Ten Championship game. Just out of curiosity. Just out of curiosity. And the one thing that I didn't do in this is compare this class to uh, where... Where are those folks down south in Louisville are at right now? 27th versus 37th, Purdue. Walters wins. 7th in our conference, ninth in the ACC. By the way, both those numbers down from last year's Louisville Cardinals team. Purdue's class score, still higher. Although he does have, I'll, I'll get Brom this. He's got a kid. He's got a four-star kid, a unanimous four-star kid that's up there with George Karloftis' rating at linebacker. But the top, you take him out and you average in the rest of them, Walters has got him. I thought it was interesting. I had to take a look at it. Again, there are some flaws to it. I understand. You know I'm not huge on the rankings. I much rather see what happens when um, you get here and how you develop. So we just talked about Marcus Bailey, right? And that dude ends up in the NFL after being a two-star and only rated by two services. I'm much more interested in how you develop and if you stay here. I think that's a better mark of a class. But if we're going to go off these stars and all these ratings and everything too, I thought it was pertinent to try to... Uh, to match them up side by side. See which coach is doing what. I think Walters has got him right now, early on. Let's see. We're going to take a break. I, the, I think the best thing, though, look at the jump from the first year from 17 to 18. Because even though the rankings got a little bit lower, the players got a lot better. The top end got a lot better. So I'm wondering if you can expect the same kind of trajectory for Walters from where we're at now. I love it. Hang tight. We're going to take a break. I've spent a lot of time on this. We're coming right back. It's the Hammer 7, thehammer.com. I'm Jared Gisselis. You can always follow me on Twitter, by the way. I'm at Jared on 1017. Um, 
I was love interacting with you guys and, and stuff and talking things on there. I do have a question, though, and I saw a little bit more of this after the um, recent edition of uh, Keande Henry. I did not realize that he was, what, previously almost a, a Boston College guy? Is that what we're talking? It was him, right? Yeah. Now he flipped, and now, you know, it, it's a Purdue thing. And I saw, uh, there's always one Bozo fan that just has to, like, chide. Like, you don't tweet at, rec- you don't tweet at recruits. A, they don't care. B, they don't need to. They don't need to hear it from you. You're you, they're them, leave them alone. But then also, in the last couple of weeks, they see a little back and forth with our fan base and uh, more of the IU bloggers and stuff like that. Everybody getting all up in a tizzy. It is June. The heat isn't even that bad yet. What is wrong? Can't we just have a vacation? Can we have, you know, um, th- there's a recruiting dead period in college. You don't go down to high school. You know, they got that whole uh, week where you're not allowed to have any contact. You can't go in and work out, all that stuff. You know, so you only work 51 uh, weeks out of the year. Got to make sure they have that break, right? You got to have that break. Why can't we do that in the fandom? I feel like we should have at least like a week or a couple of weeks where we just say, hey, listen, it's the middle of June. Maybe we're not arguing about basketball season just yet. Why don't we wait till like August? How about when the kids get back on campus? We'll start arguing then. Maybe you can argue football in like July, right? Like a month out before the season. Kids aren't even in practice, though. What are we I would just like for once to be able to say, hey, listen, we can put the knives away for a little bit. Maybe I'll just go enjoy margarita, right? Enjoy a little summer vacation. There is plenty of time to skew numbers, make absurd claims and hot takes, and yell at people into oblivion on social media. Why can't we just have a dead period for that, too? Don't tweet at recruits. They made their decision. It's not affecting your life. Let it go. It is never okay for you. I guess if you want to throw in a congrats, welcome to the team. Can't wait to watch you. But if you're upset, don't say anything. Just keep it to yourself. You look like an idiot when you do that stuff. We're going to take our final break. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up. Things we may have missed and more when we return here. It's the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. 1017thehammer.com as we get set to wrap up a kind of quiet, an overcast Tuesday. It's just, ugh. It's not been great out there. Uh, let's get to some of the things that we may have missed. He's back tonight. Now, I don't know if he's going to make the starting lineup. Probably not. But he's coming off the 10-day uh, IL tonight, and that is Patrick Wisdom, third baseman 
for your Chicago Cubs, who was two for just 24 since the beginning of June. It's been pretty epically bad for him. It's not gone well. Wisdom currently leads the Chicago Cubs in home runs. But he may be uh, their worst hitter. He's under 200. He's hitting 083 for the month of June. And it's not a new thing either. He was only hitting 162 in the month of May. If you were to combine this, we're looking at uh, a total of 92 at-bats. 92 at-bats. He has 13 hits. That's it. I've never seen anything like it. And it's not like, hey, guess what? Uh, he just really stinks at right versus left. No, he, he's been terrible at both. Batting 183 against right, he's 217 this year against left-handed pitching. But here's the thing that I didn't realize when I dug deeper into this. This isn't that far out of the norm for him. Since 2021, Patrick Wisdom's only hit 204 against right-handed pitching, where he's at 183 this season. He's hit 233 against lefties, where he's at 217 this season. So he's kind of in that variance. Last year, 250 against lefties, 191 against righties. You would think a guy that can hit a ball to the moon like him lead the team, still leading this team in home runs. Despite the fact that he has not played in the last 10 games, last 10 days. He's only played in a handful of games this month. And he only had four homers in the month of May. But he has still struggled. But at the rate that he's not making any contact is quite alarming at this point. Twenty-four at bats, sixteen strikeouts in the month of June. The man is swinging for the fences and missing them badly. So, be interested to see how the Cubs can manage to get him in because. If he's still leading this club in homers, that's clearly an issue because you can't get him at the plate because it's such a liability at this point. Yeah, so what do you think these guys are going to be shopping for the trade deadline? And finally, the internet is all in a tizzy. You make the call. Steph Curry is uh, has a new documentary coming out on his life. It's going to come out on Apple TV next month, the 21st. They dropped the trailer um, and the movie is called Underrated. And the internet 
seems to have an issue with that because he's the son of an NBA player who was drafted seventh overall. A son for an NBA player that not a lot of Power 5 schools wanted anything to do with. Am I right? If he's underrated, then what's Chris Kramer? Everybody got in this big old tizzy about it. I don't know if I would call him underrated. Maybe if you think that the expectations are so high, yeah, absolutely. Maybe when you take a look at the number of famous basketball players' sons to make it into the NBA. Maybe he is a little underrated in that regard. I think he's underrated now. Was he underrated coming out of high school? Maybe a little bit. Is he underrated coming out of Davidson? Eh, he got drafted seventh. Maybe we're laying it on a little thick there. But not enough for me to lose my mind and jump on the internet and demand that somebody explain this like a lot of people did. I saw a lot of tweets about it today. Like, really? Is it that big of a deal to you? It shouldn't be. Right, that's going to do it for us here on the Hammer Down Show. We're going to be back again uh, tomorrow. Again, big day for the uh, Boilermakers here. We're going to see um, if they can get Koi uh, Beasley. If that is the case, that will now be the highest-rated recruit in the Braum era. And if the people who know things that have been whispering to me are correct, he may not have that title for long. I love this class coming together. I love this staff. Everything's great. I'm going to see you back here again tomorrow, 3 o'clock. We'll talk local sports for an hour here on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017